Hi, guys. Welcome back to a different life story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for another interview, and I've got Beate Schellet with me. Beate is, as you, as you hear my pronunciation, she's a fellow German, and therefore it's already great to have her on my show. And as so many Germans, we are we are a little bit of go-getters as a as a nation, and and I certainly am. And that also goes not just in a positive but in a negative. So I accumulated a hell of a lot of trauma in a short life, and then I meet Beata, who sort of has been a real overachiever in this field, <laughs> eight times disaster survivor. Now that's cool. That, that, is a, that is an achievement, I have to say. So welcome, welcome, Beata. Let's see what we can learn from you today. Thank you so much, Stefan, for having me. And yeah, I mean, you know, you said it's a different life story. So I'll, I'll do my very best to give you as, as many variations of a different life story as I can in the time allocated today. <laughs> the reality is, the reality is all my guests and, and me, we're all transformations. We are all people who typically have gone through hell and are now very, very different people compared with where we started out with. So the question then, of course, is where did you start out? Um, who were you in Germany? Who were you when we, when you were a teenager? What were your dreams? What did you want to be when you grow up? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, my 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 teenage years were absolute horror. So I, you know, it's not a time I look very uh, fondly back on, you know. And I think this is a lot of the stories that probably you hear, you tell, and uh, a lot of the groundwork that we see when people go through a lot of adversity in life because of the stories that we come from. And uh, my mother is um, mentally mentally ill, but she thinks it's not her who's the problem. She thinks everyone else is the problem. And so, um, you know, been been abused as a child. And I always felt that that the idea of becoming what my mother couldn't become certainly wasn't my idea of what I wanted in life. And so much of, much of my teenage years were just a battle into surviving and not killing myself and trying to make it out alive uh, out of, out of, out of become, being a teenager. And so I left Munich when I, I left Nuremberg where I grew up when I was 17 and moved to Munich to uh, start my own life. But my, my story really started very early that I recognized that nobody's gonna watch out for me other than myself. And, and then you, you know, and then in the early years of my career, you know, I will have a photography degree. I went to photography school. It's really my only formal education, Stefan. And then I went to uh, be a photo editor at Elle magazine. And I, you know, I had very quickly, you know, by the time I was 22, I'm running the photo department of Elle magazine. So I'm, 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 I'm already someone. And then I had sort of my first moment in life where I said, you know, to your question, who were you? I was an asshole. <laughs> Funnily enough, I use the same description uh, that uh, for exactly that time frame, because you are insecure, you are you're having a big mouth in order to overcome that. And obviously, you were quite good in that, because to go from a 17 year old, just sort of scraping or not scraping, just doing a photography degree to 
L. Now, that's not just one step. That is about, I don't know, an escalator worth of steps it's, up there. It's a bit of a jump, yes. Yeah, that's right. So obviously, so someone has seen something in you or, or and, I should say, and there was also, they must have sensed something in you. Your bullshitting must have been at a different level because that is what you need in that. You need to convince someone, bang, bang, I'm the best thing. You need me. So where did you get that power from? You were you were 17, you were insecure, you were you were you were fighting to get out of your life. What switched? What what gave you that power? That's a very good question. I don't think I've even ever even thought about it quite like that. Right. Um but yes, so there definitely was overcompensation, the insecurity of not being loved and supported and cherished and and, and nurtured as a child. Um, I think that I just saw very quickly that this was my ticket out, that the best revenge is to be very successful. And I, I you know, I, I picked a profession that I loved and, and to this day, I love what I do. So, you know, when they say pick a job you like and you never work a day in your life, that is very much, you know, what, what my career has been like. I always loved being around creative, interesting people. And I, I wasn't afraid to take a risk. I mean, subsequently I fell a lot and I got hurt a lot uh, because, you know, if you jump, you're not always landing properly. However, it, it, you know, in the great scale of things, Stefan, it worked, that, that's a strategy that worked out really well for me. And it's really a strategy I'm teaching today to everyone is that our programming is designed to keep us where we know, where we believe comfort is. And if that programming or if that story is a horrible story, we recreate that because that's our equivalent of where we are comfortable and I knew that that wasn't where I wanted to be. And so I fought, I, I, I fought, you know, I think I fought for probably 20 years of my life to get out of it. And of course, when your survival is on the line, deep inside on your reptilian brain level, you don't take prisoners. You become the asshole because the only thing that matters is you achieving your goal of survival because you need to come first. And that is that is quite a brutal um, a brutal state to be in because there's this constant awareness, this constant fight, fight and flight. So how did you switch off? How did yeah, you? That's, that's actually really true because you you um, you are in this perpetual somebody's coming after you mode, um, which you don't know. You just mm. think that the world is full of just jerks that mm. are out there to get you. Mm. Um, I think that at one point uh, that really started after I moved to Los Angeles and I you know, for the first time in my life, I felt I was at home because Los Angeles, let's face it, people, is a city of misfits. So anyone, <laughs> anyone, anyone who doesn't fit anywhere else in the world ends up here and they magically all, all kind of fit together in some really crazy way. So whether you are in Venice or whether you are in Hollywood, but I'm telling you that, you know, you are, you're going to, if, if you are, if you're an unusual a person that doesn't fit anywhere else in the world, this is, this is your ticket. And that's the first time where I felt there are people that are as outspoken and opinionated as me. Yeah. There are people that are, um, that are successful. There are people that, America doesn't care about what you were yesterday. They only care about what you're today and what you want to be tomorrow. And they support you what you want to be tomorrow. That's sort of the American dream. 
in Germany, that's not the case. In Germany, when you when you raise your hand and you say, I want to try something, you know, the, the, the frying pan comes out and they say, you cannot do that. That is too dangerous. That is too difficult. You know, nobody has tried that before. Don't put your good money in this. You know, why don't you take a job? Why don't you become a secretary? And, uh, and that just wasn't the way I felt. And so my turning point was, I have never thought about it like that, but I'm going to tell you what my turning point was. My turning point was when I was 23 and I'm sitting with my roommate in Los Angeles and she was this tiny, skinny little thing. And uh, every, every evening she would go to Cantor's, the famous Cantor's delicatess store and get herself a cheesecake. And then she'd sit there and she'd shuffle that cheesecake, chocolate chip cheesecake, this tiny little skinny thing, barely a hundred pounds and eat as much as she wanted. And then she'd sit there and she said, oh my God, I'm so full. I've been so full. I can't possibly eat another bite. And I'm sitting there fuming because, you know, I'm having these extra 10 pounds that I've tried to get rid of. And I'm a roommate to this skinny little thing. And then she looks at me and she put her fork down and she said to me, I have had it with you. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Just, I've asked you if you wanted a piece and you keep saying no. And here you are, you're basically drooling over my chase, cheesecake. So why don't you get a grip on your life and stop, you know, lying to yourself. I don't care. You always talk about your mom did this and this is what happened. Take a responsibility for your life. <laughs> and that's where the love of cheesecake forever was ingrained. <laughs> I love it. That's one way to put it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. And that is, of course, the key message. That is the key message. We could stop the whole interview right now. Take responsibility for your life. Turn, turn it into massive action, step by step, little baby steps, but shitloads of them. And suddenly you're a new person. So, yeah. but you had that, that realization at age 23, or at least the realization knocked on the door. Typically as, as humans, we think we know better and we try many, many different things until finally you realize actually that would have been the right thing to do. Was it like that for you? You know, I think there's a couple of things that happened at that time, because uh, let's also not forget Los Angeles is a very spiritual place and uh, more, more world religions have been founded here than anywhere else in the world. I mean, we live on four plates. So the energy that that is in Los Angeles is amazing. And we have so many gurus and churches. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, how, how much of everything is here. That's just LA. Okay. And um, I had at that time, you know, because, you know, my this very roommate was very much into past life regressions and into, you know, into a channeling and things like that stuff I've never even heard about. And so she just dragged me along, you know, with my proverbial face and her cheesecake uh, to uh, to help me to get out of it. And she was from Berlin and she was a former drug addict. And so she had turned her life around by, you know, taking responsibility. So I, I think looking back, that probably was I probably was a pet project or something of, of, of that sort, <laughs> helping me, helping me to figure out my own shit and getting, you know, getting, getting ready and clear as to what I was doing. Yeah. And then I recognized that that spirituality um, really was something that I had in me the entire time. And I remembered when I was a child, and this might sound weird to some people, but I have vivid memories of leaving my body and flying at night when I was a child, you know, and I was staying at my grandmother's house. And I, I remember, you know, rising up and flying out of the window 
and and suddenly you know these memories kind of kept coming back and i recognized that i was really disconnected from energy god spirit oh. spirituality or what the life force or whatever whatever you know your viewers are and listeners are comfortable with but there is undeniably a life force of of some sort that that is in all of us and that is in everything and so I, I felt that disconnect and I wanted to connect to the source of some sort. And that was when that journey began. Wow. You didn't actually ask, answer my question earlier. How did you switch off? You were constantly on the go, um, but your body... I don't think that... I don't think that ever that ever turned off, Stefan. I don't think that the constantly on the go ever turned off. I think it just channeled itself into purpose. Right. Because the you know, I don't think that someone like you or me that we are capable of turning our energy off. I, I think we 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 just learn, huh? Yeah, yeah, huh? See, see everyone, this goes both ways. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. I call we myself just, an active relaxer. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or, or when we go on the massage table, we say, "I need to relax. Make it quick." Touche. <laughs> Touche. Okay. No, that's cool. So we direct. We learn how to redirect that energy into into that uh, pushing and proving to. Uh, getting into the flow and allowing. That's beautiful that you got this guidance, that you felt that need and that you started that spiritual journey. Because obviously your body, your body realized, hang on, there is something missing. Your survivors push, push, push. And uh, often with that, we are not receiving. We are not opening ourselves up to actually to, to take that moment of quiet and actually receive something because when you're constantly pushing you 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 you're not ready to hear to listen uh, i think that's the energy uh, the the universal energy is the giving and the receiving and so if you are giving you can receive then you can allow it to come back so you know i i, I always compare it to when you give it it, it kind of often goes a full circle it comes from somewhere completely different <laughs> true so, so the energy is not like you give $5 to John and then John will give you $5 back. Mm. You give John $5 and you forget about it. And then, you know, Susie presents an opportunity where you make a thousand dollars and you don't even, you didn't even, you didn't even know Susie and Susie came out of nowhere. Mm. So it's the trust in the, in the life force or the universal energy that when you are in the flow that the universe will take care of you because there's enough for everyone mm. and that is a very difficult thing especially when you're in the middle of adversity mm. because we mistake adversity as the end of the road and not as a growth opportunity very valid yet when you when you see what other people have done when they struck adversary adversity and see what then the others that witnessed these actions, what they thought about it, that is where the karma turns around. You, the, the soldiers that run towards the sound of gunfire, the nurses, the doctors, the, they're there to help, that they're stopping at an, an, an scene of an accident. They are doing that not because they expect something to come back. They do it out of the goodness of their heart. They know it's the right thing to do. And that is what 
how they live their life. And seemingly, indeed, from many other directions, that is appreciated by the universe or by God or whoever is out there. So I 100% agree. I live my life like that. And having said that, I live my life like that all the time. I was always there for others and often enough forgot to look after myself. So I think I'm, I'm very guilty of that. The push, 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 crash. Push, 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 crash. So that was for a long time my scenario. Were you burned out? Were yeah, you? Be, yeah, because you're chasing, you're chasing an idea, you're chasing a dream, and you feel that your self-worth comes from working hard. And what you're really doing is you're trying to prove something. And because you can't stop and you just go, 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 because, you know, again, Let's face it, how many times have we heard that everything has to be hard work and that only if you work hard and only if you work hard and only if you work hard, then, you know, eventually with a lot of hard work and more hard work, you can cut yourself a slice of the pie. And uh, then you need to be grateful and humble and let the work speak for itself and all this nonsense that we hear. Um, and then we all go out in the world and we believe that life has to be incredibly hard and then we die. And I think that that's really the experience that adversity brings to us more than anything, Stefan, is that we look at that and we have always, we have always have two choices, right? We, we are in adversity and the first reaction is this sucks. What did I ever do? How do I, why, what, do I, what did I do to deserve this? Why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? Why can't I find the perfect person? Why does my ex-husband have to be an alcoholic? Why do I have to end up as a single mother? Why do other single mothers find great husbands? And why do I not you know, get married again? Why is nobody wanting to take care of me? And why don't I have a job that somebody wants to hire me? Why, I, why do I have to fight start? And so you're like in this perpetual uh, poor me moment. Uh, pity party. Are, the pity party where you are constantly asking questions the universe can't really answer because if the, the why question just cannot be answered. Mm. And then when you, when you learn to ask the questions the right way and you say, what can I do to get out of it? Uh, what, what do I have control over? What's my first step? Where do I really want to go? What are the actions I need to take to get there? What is it that I need to change in my life? Then and only then can, can life change. And I think that is something that sadly a lot of people don't ever figure out, which is why I think it's so great that you're doing what you're doing because you keep telling people week after week that uh, there is another way to handle your problems and uh, get yourself out of it. So I commend you for your dedication to this. Thank you very, very much. And, and indeed, I, I so agree with you. Yesterday, I had my pity party. I had a shit of a morning and I was, yeah, why me, why me, poor me, poor me. And I actually had the time to write it down. So I actually wrote down how pissed off I feel. And here are the things that come immediately to my mind. So I wrote all these things down and I sort of four or five things that I resented. And I wrote them down in the typical why me kind of thing. And then my brain after the fifth sentence thought, what a heap of bullshit. And <laughs> without me realizing, actually my brain started writing the questions differently. And it was amazing. Whilst like subconsciously, my questions changed on paper as I was speed writing them, um, 
suddenly my mood changed and it was amazing it was like an out of body experience so i suddenly lifted myself out there i observed myself writing i observed my mood changing and i thought how cool is that and that was from four hours of pity party then maybe 20 30 minutes writing and the active step of writing it down of actually writing my emotions down and seeing them changing in front of me that was true magic now that was cool and that is all what your brain can do i didn't ask my brain to do that i actually just wanted to go Bleh. what a shit Verbal thing vomit. Yeah. that's right yeah. and yeah. and suddenly my brain came up with the right answer in all fairness Maybe I've trained my brain a little bit. I was <laughs> the, just going to say. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say. You know, so, so, so the, the way I compare it, right, is that there's a USB port that's plugged in when you're born, and over your formative years, the programming begins. And so this program runs all the time. The only way for you to change the program is you take another USB port and you put it in the other plug, and you consciously overwrite that program yeah. every day with thought and action and more thought and action. So when this happens, what you were talking about, it's the old programming and the new programming and the old program, this is a system glitch and the old system, <laughs> the old system is popping up and then, and then, and then you deploy your patch and then the patch, you know, goes, okay, everything's okay again. But you know, yes. So I think that you had a, you had a system, a system war going on here uh -huh. for a little bit. Uh -huh. And yesterday, I actually accepted that. That was the other thing is I didn't feel guilty about having that the old program suddenly running. I accepted it that something was not right. Um, I accepted what it was. I didn't then need to pour guilt on me. Why? Why do I feel like that? So it, sometimes we have got this guilt and shame in addition to actually what is going on. So you're feeling sad or have an anxiety attack and then you feel guilty that you've got an anxiety attack. And then you feel guilty that you're now having a cheesecake to actually deal with the anxiety attack. <laughs> and that, that kind of shit. And you think, oh, for fuck's sake, just stop You it. didn't put anything in the gratitude jar yesterday? No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm guilty for that. Whip, whip whip no it is no no i accept that this is not my best day and i actually said it at work guys this is one of these days and as it so happens pretty much everyone in this room had a similar day so yesterday the gods in my part of the country didn't want to play so um and i raised awareness to my team and they said yep uh, that's you describe our day and so we were all doubly aware, double checked each other's work, et cetera. And that was actually really beautiful. So you can you can take such negative emotions and negative times and turn them into an advantage, into a, a group building, bonding kind of thing, as I did at work, and into this kind of personal growth where I actually saw suddenly, wow, you know, all that that talk and all those those kind of lessons that you did learn um actually work. It's not just bullshit, it's not just not, not stuff that sounds good in a book, but it's actually, wow, here it happens right now as we speak. How cool is that? Yeah, and, and maybe a good visual for someone listening or watching is if you think about probiotics, right, versus antibiotics. Uh -huh. 
like uh you know you kind of gotta get a lot more of the good stuff in for the bad guys to be gone and so it's 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 math it's literally math so if you have more of the good guys the bad guys are going to go but if you are not having enough of the good guys the bad guys are going to hang around so you just have to keep that up and put these consistently put these thoughts in and you know and, and and then sometimes you fall off the wagon and about two years ago i fell completely off the wagon and i got back to that you know that really angry person because things weren't happening and then COVID came and then it decimated my business. And then, you know, I'm finding myself back in that mode, you know, where if I was a dog, I'd be barking all day. And, uh, and then you wake up one day and you go, who do I want to be? And I'm like, I don't want to be like that anymore. I, it's just not something I enjoy. And I didn't want to run around angry. And so the message here really is you're not helpless. You, Mm -hmm. You you can and you can do something, but nobody helps you or rescues you from the from from your own negative thinking. People can only give you the tools to override your own negative thinking, mm. but you're gonna have to. That's the work you have to do. As long as it takes, as often as it takes, and if you have to do it every day, and you have to go in front of the mirror and yell at the mirror, mm. I am so worth it. You know, I can do this. Mm. I deserve this. This is mine to have. I will not be denied my success. Whatever it is that you need to tell yourself to push yourself through. Are you doing that? Is that I one do. of your techniques? That's a yeah, um, I, I, I'm working with a, a brain trainer. So I signed up for a three months program where I got up every morning at 6.30 and, uh, and did my half hour mindset piece. And this is an idea that uh, David Nagel, you know, has where he says, I will not be denied my success. And I, I like that mantra, you know, so sometimes when you get in these phone calls and you are on the call and you feel that the call is not going where you wanted it to go, right? Instead of going like, instead of having that sinking feeling where you where you immediately project your fear of failure or fear mm-hmm. of not succeeding into, oh God, is this going to be another one of those calls? You catch yourself and you say, I will not be denied my success to raise your energy back up and be present in that phone call or in that moment so that you are that you are not projecting your own fears but that you are projecting what you want to project exactly and that's where a mirror is really really good so sometimes when i've got days like that then i go into the bathroom just look in the mirror and say okay but just take stock just and it goes so quick. I, I just need basically two, three seconds nowadays to it's just that that sheer action of mm-hmm. looking in the eyes and say, you can do that. You can do that. Like a friend saying with true conviction, yes, you can do that, man. Pull your socks up, you can do that. And then I go out and I've got the power again. And it's like switching off these negative faults. But it's training, isn't it? It's I love the way that you say praying training uh, because it is habit forming it is actually do it again and then again and again until it becomes a natural thing for you and you're no longer feeling stupid to talk to the guy in the mirror um, but actually it is good for me it's yeah. the in the past i had quite a bit of anxiety sort of waves of anxiety washing over me and initially i've always thought uh, why me i should be better so you get all that guilt and shame and then finally i figured out no actually that is normal 
that it's just your body trying to tell you something. So actually listen to your body, number one. What is it telling you? That you need a break because you've worked eight hours straight? Well, fair call. Does it that you need to actually go to the toilet and have a pee because your bladder is full? Yeah, okay, fair call. I give you that. Oh, I haven't drunk anything. I'm dehydrated as hell. Oh, okay. When was the last time you've eaten something? Uh, hmm. Okay, so maybe, maybe no surprise that your your body is fighting or, or flying here. So bottom yeah. line is so, and so I've learned to listen to it as as a message uh, when when you get these negative emotions, and I've learned that with some deep breathing, um, I can do wonders. I can switch this aggression, this adrenaline, this fear. I can switch them relatively off. And it might take a little bit. And from now and then, <laughs> I'm sort of in the middle of surgery and a lot of things are happening. And uh, it has, you know, even yesterday, uh, my surgeon turned around and said, there's a lot of sighing going on over there. Are you right? <laughs> I said, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's a deep breathing, but it's sort of, there was an onslaught of these negative emotions and I automatically did it. But yeah. <sighs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <So shit. laughs> and it doesn't matter how, how you look and they know me now they know that it's it's my my psychology where i deal with the things that need to be dealt with so it, it's you know you can actually and again this is not something bad you can actually make something good out of it by by laughing about yourself Therefore, disarming other people, making it normal to talk about mental health, all these kind of things. So you can you can turn these things around and and just make someone's life better. Someone who might need to hear it far more than you at the moment, despite the fact that you go through shit. So yeah. that's that's so important. Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said about. Um, I, I've noticed this a lot in America. I did not notice it as much in Germany, to be honest, but the fear of not being happy is, <laughs> is debilitating sometimes where, because we are living in a society where you are programmed 24 seven to expect that you're always on, we're in an on society. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, your life has to, good look, has to look good on social media. You need to exercise, you need to eat right. You need, it needs to be organic, needs to be mm-hmm. self-cooked, needs to be healthy. Uh, you, you know, if you don't exercise, you know, terrible things are gonna happen. You need quality time with your family. You need quality time with your children. You need quality alone time with yourself. You need read, read good books. You want to catch up on the shows. You need to know what's going on, and boom, you know. Next thing you know, it's like how many hours in a day do I have? And 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 you're scheduling yourself for 36 hours, but you only got 24, and then something's going to suffer, and you're in a perpetual mode of being angry with yourself because you cannot fulfill your own predicament of doing things that make you happy. And and I think that's a lot of times where we, you know, I like what you said about. Uh, removing the stigma of mental health conversations where we, we, we where we really say I'm, I'm, I'm gonna need a me day I'm gonna need some me time and I'm I'm I am not feeling like I I'm gonna push it today because I'm just gonna not push it today and I'm gonna make that my my agenda and maybe maybe that needs to be scheduled as much as your hair appointment mm-hmm. and your workouts maybe you need to schedule downtime 
Well, that's where I save a lot of time. Uh, the hair appointment that goes out of the window. And yeah, but, I yeah. mean, I uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're actually ready for a haircut. <laughs> True, actually, you say it. I need to shave. <laughs> no, I think you're right. You're so right. Uh, I love it how you you call it an on uh, society, and it is. You feel you feel bad, but it is actually pressure that you put on yourself, and we need to learn how to to give ourselves a break. If you imagine your system that's naturally calm and here, this is not on, this is you calm, serene in your presence now. The moment to, you wanna be that, yay, let's go, this, this all action up there. You need to stretch yourself out there. But as with a, as with a rubber band, you're stretched, you're stretched. You, you, there's constant force. Your body really wants to come back to the presence, to the calm, to the et cetera. That's what your, your body needs to do. And if you keep pressing out there, guess what happens? There's, it, it, your body won't be happy. And that's then when you suddenly end up in trouble. So you either crash and burn, boof, and you're very quickly coming back to that point where you lie in a fetal position in bed and, and think, oh my God, um, and can't do a thing for three days. Or you could actually say, hang on, okay? I've stretched, now come back. Sorry, guys. Now, whilst I still am able to control what is happening, I come actually back into a more normal, normal activity. You know, I call this kind of like a Tony Robbins type of energy, right? So sometimes when I watch Tony Robbins or when anyone watches Tony Robbins, you go like, is it normal to have that much energy that you're jumping around stage as much with as much energy as you do? And then I, I, I go, you know, I kind of like go back and forth, right? So as an extrovert for me, um, when I speak or when I'm in front of an audience, it's very easy for me to feed up the energy. Oh. You know, it's, it's easy to be out there because I, I ride on the energy of the audience. Um, that's not as easy to do when you're on Zoom or when you're in this kind of setting, because in this kind of setting, you kind of have to go, as you say, much more inside of yourself because, you, you know, what are you going to project it to? Because you have, it's an imaginary projection, whereas in the live audience, it's a real projection because you are, you know, you're receiving. So, so um, the measurement of the, the I think the, it's the honesty of the emotion in the moment. Mm. And so what I have found, you know, as, we, I, as, as I lost last year, all my live speaking engagements and all my training engagements, because there wasn't anything to travel to, um, I found that the best thing that works today is when you, and we did this before we went live, a little behind the curtain um, secret. You know, we we took a minute and 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 really centered ourselves and to drop out of the head in our hearts, to make sure that what we are talking about is honest and real. And mm. you know, and and I pray for the right words for your audience because that's that's what I'm here for is to support you and your mission mm. and inspire mm. and maybe say a thing or two that somebody can walk away with and say, you know. That helped me. That's mm. the goal. Beautifully said. And here you are, um, the disasters were coming in your life. And obviously you, you sound as having it so together in your life right now. But that's the accumulation of disaster after disaster after disaster. So give us a few examples there. And 
tell us if you were always so together with it? Because you were, <laughs> and we know the answer to that, but I'm trying to learn how did you overcome the challenges that life threw you? I think that um, the, the, the challenge in itself, looking back, certainly was to overcome the fight and, uh, or the fight mode and to, and to trust life a lot more. And what happens when you're young and you have adversity, and I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are experiencing this, is that, you know, I, I, I got married. I married a great man. He had only two flaws. He was a pathological liar and an alcoholic. But uh, <laughs> well, that that is a sort of that is actually you know that's perfect together, isn't it? That's a match yeah. made in heaven. You've just described it, me. In yeah, the past. yeah. I mean, I, I was just always surprised on how much uh, teeth brushing he needed to do, but he had some mysterious gum disease that required him to brush his teeth so many times <laughs> after he mysteriously disappeared and then came back an hour later, and I just couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, you know, like looking back, you go, oh, "Man, how could I have been so dumb?" Um, but you know that that's just what I where I was and. So uh, once I was in this in this marriage, and you know, I, I got I was pregnant, and then uh, the earthquake came uh, here in Los Angeles, the big seven point earthquake, and it was like somebody takes you by the shoulders and literally like violently just shakes you back and forth, and it was like God took me mid- with my entire house and just shook it and said, "Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up." And uh, I realized that in that moment, because it felt that I could, I could die in that moment. Uh, you know, I mean, that's how intense this moment was. And I realized that I wasn't going to waste my time for one more minute being and doing something that I, I, I that that wasn't going to make me happy. And I, I knew with absolute certainty it wasn't this relationship. And uh, so I, um, I, you know, try to get myself back together, but I got laid off at that time because we had, you know, after this, the recession, and that came on the heels of the riots. So I, the big Los Angeles riots, I was pregnant at the time. And uh, then we had the fires and the floods and now the earthquakes. So I'm already, you know, a couple of disasters in and the economy just can't recover. So I couldn't, and I'm unemployable. So I had to take a job being my own boss. And I knew nothing about that. So I, I, you know, just bumbled along and try to get myself to a point where I could survive and, mm-hmm. and pay the bills and keep a roof was, over the head. Was that photography that rescued you? Or yeah, what that, job did you? yeah. So, so at that time, I, I started a photography representation business and a production agency for still photography here in Los Angeles. And so over the deck, over like a decade, um, you know, I kind of took a couple steps forward, a couple steps back was hard work and then finally I think I got it made you know finally I run a million dollar business I got a flourishing uh, flourishing photography a business with a production division representing photographers we're working for Mercedes-Benz we're working for BMW Levi Strauss Wrangler Ocean Pacific Massimo I mean we're doing great and uh, then I had this sinking feeling in my in the pit of my stomach one day Stefan where I was like something's going on and I don't know what it is, but I know it's not good. You know, intuition kicking in. And so I let my employee go. And I find out two weeks later that I let her go two weeks late, that she had come up with a plan with my key vendor to start their own business, which was my business, just without me. And next thing I know, invoices I wrote were paid to them 
and not to me because they came up with this whole story that I was bankrupt and I was defrauding them and not paying them. And that's when I sued because Germans need to be right. No, it's not just Germans. I, I felt I felt just the pain in my heart when you just described that betrayal. And Huge betrayal. Yeah. yeah. Shit. And so, and so shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's another one of my oh, shit moments. So now I'm in this lawsuit and I didn't realize that the first $20,000 retainer is just for the first letter. And then... <laughs> There's another letter <laughs> and another letter uh-huh. and another letter and another letter. So I'm, I'm like $130,000 in debt. And, um, you know, and, and now I'm going like, how am I going to get out of this one? Because, you know, the, the whole, for the, the representation business was done. And so a production season was rolling around. It was September. That's when everybody from Europe and it gets too cold was flying into Los Angeles to produce here for six months. I had a half a million dollars of work on the books. I'm going like, I'm, I'm good. You know, things are gonna, you know, we're gonna somehow figure out how to make it through. And then September 11th comes. In one day, in 24 hours, it was over. Because every single job I had on the books, anyone flying to Los Angeles to produce their shoots here in this gorgeous place, canceled. And so I was in the middle of a lawsuit. I lost the first half of my business, now I lost the other half of my business. And, um, you know, and, and then you go like, it's kind of like game over, right? So I had to borrow more money. We fought harder. It turns out that I fought the largest insurance company in America by myself with my attorney that provided the group insurance to the entire photography industry. That's who I fought. Lowly girl from Germany, Yeah here in, in Los Angeles. But because we were just pushing and pushing and pushing, it settled. And then when it settled, I ended up with exactly zero. I paid my debt, I um, paid my attorney, and then I had nothing. But I had a great idea that interestingly enough, this photographer who betrayed me with my employee had given me, which is to run a stock photography syndication. And so now I knew I was running up a spiral staircase as fast as I could. I knew I was with the right idea at the right place. I just didn't have any money. And I hadn't made money in a year because, you know, my business, my, my business had been taken away from me. Or I wasn't paying attention. Or maybe I allowed it to be taken away from me. Or maybe it was meant to be taken away from me. And then I uh, built the stock photography syndication. But I'm now $135,000 in debt. Okay. I mean, this is how far I leaned out of the window. And then I decided that I better be going to Germany uh, to the industry conference, drum up some business. And then my father has a stroke while I'm there. My father didn't have a stroke, Stefan. My father had pancreatic cancer. And so my father dies within six weeks. My best friend, my confidant, my my supporter, my cheerleader, my anything, you, you can do anything a person he dies. And then we are in Nether Bavaria, in Fakirch, near Paso, on this beautiful uh, hill overlooking the valley in this Baroque church. And we just put my father in the ground and my phone rings, like literally while I'm at the grave, coping with the moment. And it's my office in Los Angeles that we don't want to bother you, but we've just been served a notice. So now I'm losing the house. 
because it was uh, taken over by a new landlord and he wanted to get me out. So he came up with, you know, all kinds of reasons. And, and he waited while I wasn't there. He knew I wasn't there. And he waited while I was not there serving a three-day notice to vacate or quit, right? And so um, at that moment, you know, talk about defining moments in life, I fell to my knees and I raised my fist against God and I yelled at him and I said, and these were my words. And I said, you know, if you have a plan, this would be really an excellent time to fill me in right now. <laughs> What did God say? God said, just hang on a little bit more. And then I remember I'm coming back and, um, you know, we have to figure out how to get out of the house and, and uh, you know, where am I going to go? I mean, it was I, 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 on what money, right? Mm, mm. But then I got a, letter, a, a call from the Small Business Administration, which is the government uh, office for small businesses in the United States. And I had written a letter to the president of the United States. I swear it's a true story. So I wrote a letter to the president of the United States because I was so desperate. And I said, you always talk about the business, small business being the backbone of the American economy. I've done everything right. You know, I lost my business on September 11th. You know, I've been betrayed. You know, this is what's happened. I need help here. And I get a letter from the White House. And in this letter, it says the president sends his best wishes. <laughs> sure, I'm sure he does. I mean, whatever, right? I'm sure he never saw my letter. But it put me in touch with the Small Business Administration. And three months later, they found me a bank to restructure my debt. That freed up my line of credit. They gave me enough cash to get to break even three months later. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in celebrity at home stories. Madonna, Francis Ford Coppola, Terry Hatch. I mean, I didn't invent the at home story, but it was me who made it a worldwide phenomenon. And so these stories are being sold over and over again in every country in the world. I mean, we sold Madonna's house like 33 times worldwide. I would send it over the ticker at night. I come in the morning, I had $20,000 worth of orders in. And so now I'm the world leader. And now a Bill Gates company comes knocking on my door. Beate, how are you doing this? I said, <laughs> I'm not telling you how I do it. If you want it, you're going to have to buy it. And then they said, okay. And they made me a multi-million dollar offer. And then I knew that this was my turning point. So I accepted the offer and, uh, when I did, I knew that my purpose from there on forward was going to be to really understand how I can help with the story of adversity, you know, and to me, resilience is the audacity of not giving up. So how, how this, how, how this, how this resilience, right? This, this like, what the heck did she do? I mean, I could have given up how many times in this story at every turn I could have given up. I just have the audacity to not do so. And, and so you can't give up before the miracle happens. So that is, I think that once I figured that out, Stefan, that when you are activated by God or spirit or universe, and you're here to make an impact, it's almost like, 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 like they take you and they drag you through the mud 
with your face in the dirt and the pebbles in your nostrils, right? To say, do you see how bad it is? To activate you so that those of us who are here to help heal go like, man, that was gnarly. And then we shake it off and we can help others to rise. That's what I believe in. It's very rare that I'm uh, speechless, but right now you see me like that because you have completely in beautiful words nailed it, what exactly has happened to me. And you've made me realize why I'm on the right path. I recently had some moments of doubt because you look at your, your viewership and you think, great, how many likes, how many views, how many what? And you think, oh God, you know, is it worth it? All my time, all my passion, all my everything. And you have just given me the hope. Not the hope. Yeah, hope, yes, I guess hope. You've just confirmed. You've put the mirror in front of my face. You've showed me why I am doing what I'm doing. And it has nothing to do with, with how many clicks, how many views, how many downloads. It has to do with making one life better out there, that one person who needs to hear that story right now. What's Thank that worth? What's exactly. that worth? Exactly. What's that worth? You know, and I, I had an interview last, uh, this week, earlier this week, where this woman said, um, you know, she contacted me about uh, three weeks ago and says, I want to interview you. And she says, you don't know this, but you are a mentor to me. And I've never heard about, I've never heard her name in my life. And then as we're in this interview, she tells the story, unbeknownst to me, her story with me that I don't know about. And she says, this is where I was. And then I, I was so, and, and I didn't believe that this was what was happening to women in organizations. And I took it to heart, so hard that I was paralyzed. I literally couldn't walk. And then I remembered your teachings and I bought your book and I bought all your courses. And then I realized that every single step of what you have shared about your journey really meant that I needed to step into my journey and doing what I'm doing. And what is she doing now? She's helping women on their, on, on their career path to, uh, to maneuver their corporate careers. And she said to me, if without being assholes, by the way, and she said to me, if it wasn't for you, it, I would have never done that. But I don't even know this happened, Stefan. So yeah. are you making an impact? I bet you are. You just don't know it. <laughs> okay, I sent you the hugest hug because this realization is exactly what I needed today. So... See, talk about karma, talk about things coming around in weird and funny ways. Uh, here we are living proof of exactly that, of exactly that thing. But guys, when you listen to our stories, you will hear a constant sequence of events, drama, despair, disaster, and then, okay, how the hell do I get out of that? And down the line, what can I learn from that? And that is always action. 
there is always, what can I do? We didn't ask, oh, why me? Oh, again? You might, you might have said that somewhere along the lines, please, you would be not a human being if you wouldn't feel that moment of despair and you think, really? Really? Right now? You know, that's, that's, that's normal, okay? That's the immediate response. You have got all the right to do so. But then you have also got all the right to ask the right questions, to actually drill down and say, okay, fair enough. So that door is closed, that door, well, that's, blown up in the air there's no longer existence even um so but amazing some of the doors that are closed you can maybe open up again that's what doors do they open and close and if they do it by themselves well that's either the wind or you've got a ghost but that's another story or, so, or draft or draft, or, draft. <laughs> exactly exactly right so bottom line is you check these doors and if there are no doors then you start building one and that's exactly what Beata has done again and again, and again. And the I love it, the audacity <laughs> to continue, to audacity to go up, to get up again, and, uh, and, and try something new, to be open to something, regardless if it is, how do I, what do I want to say? You were saying it earlier, so so in a beautiful way when you described the attitude in Germany that uh, that if someone wants to be up there now, no, no, he's been cut down on the knees, and it's uh, how do you call nine, it? Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> you know, and it's the same here. It's the tall, tall poppy syndrome. We call it here in New Zealand. So tall poppy need to be cut off because can't be right. Um, it is, however. It is us that go through this adversity and mm -hmm. that come out the other end, that we have got this newly found power and it's intoxicating. It is actually such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing because we have survived the adversity. We went up, we dusted ourselves off and we let the, the, the wounds heal. We have got the scars to prove it. Hell, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, but we are different people now. And that yeah, means and, and, and one thing, and Stefan, let's just men, make sure that that the one part I think that is also often misunderstood, there is it will never end. So just so mm. just so we we talked about this, mm. because then you then you finish figure out one thing and you go, oh thank God it's over, mm. and then you realize you have a relationship issue, mm. and that you know when you're in a relationship, your mom and your dad shows up and you mm. go, oh I don't really want that, and then you be working on that. And then you have kids and then you realize your mom and your dad show up again in the, in, in the way you're raising your children. And then you need to deal with that. And then something else comes because the adversity, what it really yeah. is, Stefan, and I don't know how you, how you describe that, but for me, it's like, it's a, it's, it's the opportunity to grow. It's really the stretch. It means that you're pushing yourself so hard that you're hitting your limit and whenever you hit your limit, it's uncomfortable. It's like when the rocket goes too fast, you know, and it starts to flatter or when you're skiing and you don't have the right skis that are meant for fast speeds and they start to, they start to shatter when you, when, when, when you go or uh, we go, man, if I'm, if I'm going to crash now, it's going to really hurt. Mm. Um, whenever you're pushing yourself, adversity is often discomfort of breaking out of an existing pattern mm. and shifting into a new pattern. And so, as I said, you know, am I 
Am I serene in myself more than I've ever been? Hmm. Am I happier more than I have ever been? Does that mean that I don't have shit to deal with? Far from. <laughs> it just gets bigger and more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, now I look at this, I said, I only had $135,000 in debt. I mean, it sounded like a lot back then. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just the, the yeah, the game increases in in, in the things that we I'm take much. on. I'm but that is, that is your journey. That is my journey. And that is where we are now. And would I have it any other way? No, 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 no. And for you guys out there, the reason there is a reason that you started listening to this podcast or started watching this. So there's something out there that really gives you a headache. Look at Beata, look at me. We have been assholes. We couldn't get our shit together. We were probably not the nicest people. We made so many mistakes. Ah, but that's okay. That's okay. And we just fell down and we dusted ourselves off and, and kept going. And that's the same what we recommend you to do is. And you are not alone. Regardless what has happened to you, regardless what is happening to you now, you are not alone. Virtually, there is no combination of shit that has hit you that has not hit other people. So by us speaking out and talking about, about those things, with that, you have already met two people here by just listening to this podcast. Imagine if you now uh, figure out are there other groups out there, and especially with the quarantine, with with uh, COVID, there's more and more people are coming onto Zoom, more and more people coming into the online reality out there, and you can meet survivor groups or uh, or self help groups of every shape and color. It's just. A matter of you taking action and it's a tiny amount it's just going onto google what is your your main main problem and see what you can do i mean go back here i mean this is uh today what are we having is i think there's 140 interview 140 that we are now uh doing with beata um which means there are 139 interviews to go through i bet you you will find in there guests that have at least something uh, that is of high interest to you because they have gone for exactly the same problem. Start with that. Um, Then, I mean, if today with Beata's uh, Beata's voice rings a bell with you and resonates with you, well, check her out. Beata, what are your social media handles? Where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, I am now on Clubhouse as Growth Architect. So you can find me there. And uh, my website's beatachalette.com. So I have always a number of tools available. So I poke around there a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do a lot of, um, you know, I, I work in three different areas. Where one is business development, leadership development, and workplace unification. Because I believe that in order to be anything, mm-hmm. you got to have your shit together in the areas of, you know, being nice to other people being good to yourself and being a leader and making sure that your business and your career is properly aligned. So um, I, I'm really a strategist. So reach out, you know, I, um, I'll make sure that in the show notes, we'll have the contact information. So if you have a question or reach out, uh, you can check me out. I also have a YouTube channel, which is called a growth architect. So uh, take a look at that, subscribe to that. And uh, you can always just ping me directly. I'm available. I, you know, answer 
as of right now, mm. all my, my mails myself. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So here you go, guys. I mean, what's your excuse? Why can't you take action once you've listened, once you've finished listening to that? And of course, one of the actions you need to take is subscribe to this channel. Okay. Right now. <laughs> right <Press> now. <laughs> like it, leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. Because that is how you can pay back. This is how you can show me that it's not all worthless because deep inside there is this insecurity there in me. I might sound as having it all together, but deep in there, there are these little gremlins who are saying, ah, oh, no, it's you know, you know, these negative voices. We all have them and it's normal to have them. But yeah, it's just nice from now and then that someone says, hey, well done. I really like that. So that that goes a hell of a long and way. And that's like that <laughs> thank you Beata thank you thank you <laughs> Beata it was beautiful to for you to be on my show it was such a such an uh, eye-opener for me you came at exactly the right time I actually meant that and for that I'm internally grateful um, it is a wonderful thing where will you be going what is, can you give us a brief uh, sneak preview? Because you're, you're a woman who continuously has transformed herself over, over the recent years. There is no way that you're stopping right now. So <laughs> what's the new Beata going to be? <laughs> yeah, so, so I really recognized, and this was a decision that I made uh, at the end of last year that I really dislike the negative messaging from media and from people to each other so much that I made a conscious choice that I was changing everything to positive messaging. So I was, you know, I'm, I no longer do pain point marketing. I do positive end result marketing and talk about, um, you know, providing solutions for people to empower themselves, to be more confident, to show up better in the world. I have a program uh, and I'm just going to do a very quick a plug on that. So if you've heard this and you are not sure where to start, a great way to start is to, to do a, a little bit of a journey on the inside. I have a program, it's called rocketlaunch.training. It's only 97 US dollars. So I made it you know, a no brainer, a no excuse kind of program. And in this program, I teach people, and this is what I'm really passionate about right now, is to figure out who they are and what they're good at. And then I give them the language on how to talk about that. So you don't have to pretend, you don't have to have to act as if you were a certain way, but that you can go and really figure out and you say, you know what, I'm a calm person. I'm a nice person. I'm a compassionate person. I'm an empathetic person. Mm. And instead of making excuses or trying to portray to be something, we're going to teach you how to be yourself. And that, to me, that's really my message right now is to help people to understand that it's going to take all of us to change this just yucky feeling that, you know, so many of us are having right now mm -hmm. and step into the power of making the world better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a concept for a new book, my second book, and I am working on concepts for new online courses and new training programs. And uh, my goal this year is to be on a hundred podcasts. And I, do don't one think, of them. 
<laughs> and what an honor it was. Now, Beate, that is uh, a beautiful. I can't wait to see you developing and and see who the new Beate is going to be, the new and improved version. Version. <laughs> You're like 2.0. Yeah. Or is it no. 4.0? Or is what it I was about to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so which version are we talking? This is this is the, the constant upgrade. <laughs> and that's yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I bet you are the same way, Stefan. Absolutely. Because, because yeah. the only constant in life is change. And the Absolutely. sooner you embrace that, the, the easier it will be for Indeed. you to achieve what you want. And, uh, you know, and thank you so much for having me. I mean, this was from all the interviews I do, and I do a lot of interviews, probably the most unusual one that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll take this as a compliment. It is a compliment. <laughs> I just want to know the real Beata, uh, not just the, the, the superficial kind of a thing. No, no, no. It was the an social honor. media version of me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Thank you so much. And you guys out there, come on. You have got a chance to, to change your life. There is, you take responsibility, you take action. And you will be amazed what the universe holds in store for you because it's just, it is waiting. It is waiting for you to realize, huh, it's my turn. And go out there, kick ass, make this life worthwhile living. Look after yourself out there. Bye. Bye, everyone.